0: Hey, I'm John Gill and this is On The Fly Episode 5 with Canal Boat Diaries, Robbie Cumming. So I've just taken a little walk out up the hill at the back of the house for the intro today. I'm not, I'm not too far from the local quarry, so if you hear some thumping and banging about in the background, that's where it'll be. So um, this week's guest, Robbie Cumming from Canal Boat Diaries. Robbie is a YouTuber. Of many years, and he lives on the canal system of the United Kingdom on his boat, the naughty Lass. Get it? the naughty lass. Uh, so the naughty lass is his full-time home, and he captures his day-to-day comings and goings, <sighs> Robbie coming, Robbie coming and going, um, on his iPhone and he puts these vlogs out on YouTube. Now, for people outside the UK, canals, if you don't know what a canal is, a canal is a man-made waterway. And they date back to the Industrial Revolution. And they were originally designed for transporting goods up and down the country, before we had engines and motorways. And today, they're mostly used by People who live on their boats, like Robbie, or people who are holiday hire boats and, and holiday and so on. It started raining, that's good. Anyway, apparently, I read a quarter of the boats on the British waterways are now lived on full time, which is quite interesting. Uh, especially for people who want to live near city centres. It's a cheaper alternative for, for living. Check me out, my grown-up facts. Anyway, so I wanted to chat with Robbie because about this time last year, he was approached by the BBC, which is the national broadcaster in the UK, and they approached him to adapt his style of video diaries into a short run of episodes for TV which he did and so they put out five episodes uh, that ran around november december time in 2019 and so now he's currently filming series two under lockdown conditions which should make for a really interesting sort of document of this time that we're living through so this is double whammy for me because i grew up in the west midlands in in the uk which is an area where you can barely throw a stone without it landing in a canal. And as a teenager, I went on several canal trips. But Robbie's also a mobile filmmaker. And that style of production that he uses for his YouTube videos has continued into the BBC series, which is really interesting and, and it opens up, you know, potentially opens up a world of opportunities for other mobile filmmakers like me. For the future of television. So we have a chat about how Robbie got started on YouTube, how his process has changed into mobile, um, his mobile setup now, and we also get a few peeks behind the curtain of the BBC production. I have to tell you that this week, Fact Checking Fairies back with a David Bowie quote, no less. i so listen out for that. There's a few more musical interludes as well this week. I made a special Crankit-themed jingle. So Crankit is a kind of catchphrase for Robbie, and it refers to the winding process of opening locks uh, on the canals. Now, locks are the gateways that allow canal boats to go up and down hills. They're maybe sec- basically sections of water that are that are closed by gates either side. And the way you open the gates is to wi- wind open sections of the gate to let the water through. And you probably need to check it out on YouTube or check out one of Robbie's videos. He's got loads of videos about locks. Anyway, so Crank It is the winding sort of process. And so cranky is, Crank It is one of his catchphrases. He's got the Crank It crew who are people who support him financially through Patreon. Um, and Just Gotta Crank It is a little jingle I made using sounds from some of his YouTube videos and I, th- I think it's got potential for this year's Christmas number one, so check that out. Um, my song for the episode this week, Dead Easy, came to me straight away, so Robbie, I dedicate to you Room to Roam by The Waterboys. So again, check that out, find that on iTunes or YouTube or whatever. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I feel like I'm getting into a bit more of a routine now, but I'm always open to feedback. You know, how could it be better? Um, If you've got any guest suggestions, if you've got any jingle requests, you know, what should I make a tune out of next week? Um... Talking of tunes, Robbie is not only a, filmmaker, a mobile filmmaker, he's a mobile music maker. And tracks from his YouTube vlogs and BBC series are available to download. And so as a, um, as a taster, there's an entire track at the end of this podcast that he gave me permission to use. Um, and I will put in the show notes what it's called, because I can't remember. Right, so that's me. Without further ado, I'm John Gill. This is On The Fly, Episode 5, with Robbie Cumming of Canal Boat Diaries.
1: On The Fly. But yeah, this one's called, it's a channel called ETTV, and it's really incredibly niche uh, street food uh, channel. And it features Japanese and Korean style street food. And just, there's no dialogue at all. There's no, no text or anything like that. They just sort of film the shop from, from a few metres away. Uh, social distancing, of course. And uh, get, then they get close uh, and then film the meal being made, whatever it is. It's just shot after shot. Nothing, it's just simple as that, but I just find it mesmerising. And is it all the same
0: angle, or is it <laughs> yeah. just one shot? Or? It's not one oh, long that. shot.
1: It's lots of about 10-second shots, I'd say. Right. Which is, I just think, is is ideal, uh, certainly for my um, short attention span.
0: And is it? Can you have you been able to work out how to make what it is they're making from this, or is it just? The, yeah, it sort is of that simple. Well, you know, they've
1: just got a it is a still shot so it's it's just on a tripod um fixed shot of the the food being made um sometimes they move around a little bit but they, they do it do it very well yeah and, uh, yeah it just inspires me i love cooking so it inspires me in a different way um uh, i wouldn't be able to make what they're doing <laughs> but it's just inspirational i do a lot of um uh, food filming on my boat um yeah uh, it's a bit more for the bbc program um but I do, do dabble for YouTube as well. But I need, it's quite a tricky setup because it's quite a small space. And of course, cook, the cookery programs, I think if you worked on one, I mean, you'd have cam, different camera operators, all sorts of people doing different things so the chef can actually yeah. get on with it. And I've, I've of course, got to do every, self-film everything and it, it is quite tricky. <laughs> I often eat it cold. <laughs> but, so, <laughs> but yeah, there's loads of times where I'm just, working with whatever I've got on board because I can't just nip out to the shops sometimes because I'll be in the middle of nowhere. So, uh, yeah, I made, I've made some strange things on, on camera.
0: <laughs> on the fly.
1: I think my way into YouTube was just ever since, um, ever since... Ever since I was a lad, I've always wanted to film stuff, but we just didn't have enough money to, for a, a camera. So I'd just, like, nick the school's camera or um, borrow a friend's camera, just try and record stuff. You know, n- normally on VHS, but then when it came to... I think I got hold of like a Microsoft movie maker mm. and then I started editing things together and I thought, well, this is, this is quite, this is a good laugh. And I, I'd made some silly voice, silly characters and made little sketches and started uploading it onto YouTube. And then I got a, my own camcorder. It was just like a cheap Panasonic, not even HD cam, camcorder. Mm, yeah. And just, uh, oh, then I moved on to iMovie and I sort of started to, you know, just watched a lot of how to how to make video um, videos. <laughs> I did that for ten ten years maybe, and then I, then I well this is this is when I started getting in, getting into to canal boats, and I so I, it was out of my mind at this this time. But I'd got myself a job that worked from home, and that job required me to do a bit of marketing and public relations for people and social media. So I sort of kept my hand in technically, mm. and then. As I was researching, I think we had to put together something for a potential client. the The RHS, I don't know if you heard of them, the Royal Horticultural Society. We're trying oh. to get them on board, so um, I, th- I thought, well, you know, what? I've seen people do vlogs. I wonder if a vlog would sort of suit them. So I did my own gardening vlog using this, using my my boat and um and the herb garden that was once upon on the roof. It's not on anymore. I've got rid of it, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did a little silly little vlog for them and um, even chucked in a monty don impression and um yeah they <laughs> they they didn't take us on but uh i, I realized then this this is it this is got what i've got to do like every spare minute after work i was then working towards coming up my own youtube channel all about canal boats and living on and you so you're
0: already living on the boat then
1: yeah, but when I first started on my narrowboat journey, so there I'm on my own, I'm moving this boat around, I'm working at this other job at the time, and if you said to me, why don't you do a vlog, I would have said no, because I don't know enough about you know, uh, mooring up, I don't know how to go through a lock as well as I should do. I, I just felt a bit, I know the kind of comments you get on YouTube and I just didn't want to be yeah. open to those just yet, but when it did happen, after a, about a year, I started making vlogs and putting them out there the, the feedback straight away was fantastic. I think I picked up about a thousand subscribers in a, in a few weeks' time. So it was really welcoming to the people out there for, for this sort of content. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that was what came across to me on the TV program because I, I loved that you, you weren't kind of the expert. You were yeah. definitely more expert than me. But you but equally, you are kind of finding your way and learning, and that's that's a lot more enjoyable, I think, a watch to me than watching somebody who knows everything because then I mean, if I was you know thirty years younger, I would probably watch that program and think, right, I've got to get a boat
1: because
0: hmm. that's what I was thinking, you know thirty years ago when I was out with my mate I've got to get a boat, I would love to live on a boat,
1: yeah I think you've touched on something really important just then, which is. Um, creatively, I think it helps if you don't know what you're doing as well i think I think it's a Seth Godin um quote he says something like you know, I might not be getting this this right, but he says you can't be completely creative if you know what you're doing, something like that, or you know, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um, and I just thought, wow, you know yeah that's cool that that's right?
0: yeah there's a Bowie quote which is really similar to that, which is um. It, it, which it might, it, it, and so it might have been quoted by Seth Godin, but I think. Yeah, it could have uh, been from like, yeah, If you yeah. feel like, if you feel like you know what you're doing, then you're you're not pushing yourself.
1: Okay, that's a, that's and, a different that, take on it, but it's the same idea, isn't it?
0: Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Hello, this is the fact check fairy. David Bowie actually said, "If you feel safe in the area you're working in, you're not working in the right area. Always go a little further into the water than you feel you're capable of being in. Go a little bit out of your depth." And when you don't feel that your feet are quite touching the bottom, you're just about in the right place to do something exciting.
0: Yeah, and that was that was Bowie's thing that he he had to feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I love that uh, to know that he was doing something that was worthwhile and and creative. The so obviously the, the the YouTube stuff took off. What was it that made you sort of think? Right, the way to do this is just with my phone. I mean, I know you you, you edit on an iPad, don't you?
1: I do now, but at the time, when I first started vlogging about you know life on a narrowboat, I had this Panasonic camcorder, I had iMovie on my laptop, and the laptop's like a, a MacBook one, so it was quite good, but mm. it, was, it was quite basic equipment, really. Now, my setup is an iPhone, um, I'm just using currently the latest, well, iPhone 11 Pro, um, I found that's good, but uh, I think three cameras, it's just two cameras too many, really, on this one. I just use the wide-angle lens, really. Um, yeah. But I, I've got that. I've got uh, a microphone that I can plug in using the lightning adapter. And the, the microphone's like a lapel, lavalier mic, mic mm-hmm. from Rode, Rode, however you pronounce that. And um, yeah, I've got a few like little tripods and things, but mostly it's just those two that I go out filming with. And then I'll just airdrop that the footage from that all over to the iPad and use Luma Fusion app. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of that one. Yeah, yeah. It costs about twenty quid, so it's still really cheap. Um, I'm just basically I'm just a tight ass, and you know, <laughs> I I can't commit to like paying you know a grand for some kind of software that I don't know is any good. So, um, and I, and yeah. I've tried. I've I've gone through a lot of them. I've gone through Premiere Pro. Uh, final cut actually which you used on the BBC series because I had to do a little bit of editing for that and so I know how to use them it's just I I feel like it they constrain you a little bit because there's so much so many possibilities it's like having you know like a guitar effects pedal and you've got a row of, of about a hundred different ones it's just gonna sort of hold you back really isn't it because you've got too many choices yes so yeah minimalism is key for me definitely
0: if I want to do something really, really quickly, I'll do a quick edit in iMovie on the phone.
1: Yeah, why not? Just
0: And that still it. Yeah. Still does everything that I need it to do. And then if I want to do something that I'm going to spend a bit more time on it and and I want to be more creative with it, then I really like LumaFusion on the iPad. And like you, I'll just airdrop everything onto the, the iPad. I think but, you, can, um... you can
1: really push it, can't you? Because um, I think you, you can spot when people make... Videos on iMovie sometimes because they'll have the you know you'll know the the, the transition effects that once yeah, are used yeah. and you'll you'll know the little the, the fonts that the that are set as default. But if you sort of go outside that, import your own fonts from you know downloaded off the internet somewhere or you made your own font, for example, you can sort of just you know I'm using this twenty pound software myself, this editing software, and, I've, and I'm using my own hand drawn. Um, like logos if you like for the canals so Mm. and it gives you that extra little point of difference you know you don't have to be like everyone else um
0: yeah yeah absolutely spend a lot of money so how do you how how what's your process then for for taking something that you've created yourself like that and and, so this is in Lumafusion, i presume
1: yeah um i could take you through the editing process but i suppose i should start at the, the beginning really which is uh, researching, so I've got I've got to research a little bit about the journey ahead of me. I've got to know how many yeah. sort of locks that I I try want to try and fit in in the day, um, or you know how many towns I want to fit in. Um, actually, with YouTube, it's generally just <laughs> film the day and see see if that's yeah. enough, for, which it generally is enough. For it. Something will happen along the way to give me that sort of jeopardy that you need to tell a tell a story. Um, yeah and to keep people watching. Um, and yeah, as long as you're like really fierce with your editing and you cut everything out, that stuff that just sort of, you feel like, well, oh, that's a bit fillerish, you know, but a lot of the time I'm sort of just inspired by the scenery as I go along. I'm lucky that it's a linear journey. So I don't really have to sort of plan too much of like, Oh, I must get some footage from that bit there and then join it with that bit later on. You can just sort of think it over in your head as you go along. And then yeah. I take all that footage and, and sort of edit, edit it mostly you know in a linear fashion again so from start to finish
0: that's my favorite approach to filmmaking is i go and film something and a lot of the time i don't know what i'm going to do with it hmm. um because i haven't even got a like an ongoing theme like you have with the the boat um but i think you but you you know like you say inevitably inevitably something happens that you think oh right well that's that's what it's about then
1: yeah but also um, along the way so some days i'll I'll be traveling and something does happen yeah like like we just said like i don't know perhaps i'll um the engine leaks oil everywhere or something like that but then there might be other things that, that i'm starting to think of as i'm just potling along at two miles an hour and and it's <laughs> sort of like a like a an overlying theme of about how you know, things run away with run away from you if you're not in control of them. But you know, do you really need to be in control of everything? You know, you could get get a, you know. A yeah, of, yeah.
0: I really enjoyed how on the YouTube channel how you built in pub of the week. Yeah, um, that's like a regular which,
1: feature where I just go to yeah pub, isn't it? You know, uh, film what well, it's yeah the sort of general vibe it, and just gives people that um, regular slot to look out for, which I can't do at the moment, obviously because of
0: lockdown <laughs> on the fly
1: i started blogging when i was in run corn uh, near liverpool and i just i looked around me and there wasn't there wasn't anyone there wasn't <laughs> there weren't any stories in a way because uh, i looked around myself I thought this is not what i signed up for i wanted to meet people so that's why i started the youtube channel too so the boat next to me right now the lady in there she's just doing that the boat really did not live on there but she owns a funeral parlor it's a family business she's struggling to work there and she's just telling me all about how and this is, this is incredibly sad of course but um she's got people coming in there uh, it's the most awkward time because she's not allowed to because of coronavirus she's not allowed to hug them or comfort people she's having to mm. almost apologize to, to everyone that comes in there and um it's just even if this person hasn't died from coronavirus they have to treat everybody that's there that you know that as if they do, and it's just, yeah, yeah. You, you sort of, through this secret world, you, you, you all these other lives are entwined and all these other stories link into it.
0: What What's it been like? I mean, I suppose to some degree, you're already isolated more than most people anyway. Are there not people who are permanently living in their boats and therefore they get to stay on the canal anyway? Or
1: Yeah, but they're not allowed to like I'm doing, go long distances really, they're not, they're supposed to just ah, right. they're, ex- they're expected to just well, not move, they don't have to sort of thing um, you
0: know, Yeah. even yeah. if
1: they're continuous cruisers, like myself
0: So you're currently filming the new series just now then?
1: Yeah, so I, um, I need to get to a certain location a place called Ellesmere Port and they've got the National Waterways Museum there which I think will, will probably be closed when we start filming, but <laughs> We'll get some nice drone shots, you see. That's our process. We sort of start with some nice uh, drone shots. But then, Uh uh, so we've got to make the most of them. So I might have to race from there all the way down to Chester, which doesn't sound very far if you're local to that area and you've got a car. But I've got a narrowboat that has to go through several locks, some of which are some of the hardest to operate in the country. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) It's, it's often quite a lot more hectic than we'd have you believe from the final edit.
0: Tell us about the how how you how the the TV thing came about.
1: Well, it was right place, right time. Um, my, my producer Stuart Woodman, he had made a few canal programs before. Canals: The Making of a Nation was one of them, and as an ex-boater himself, he was just he was just really passionate about it. He already worked for uh, BBC East Midlands doing a sort of newsy stuff type programs, and he wanted to there's a, like a there's a gap in the year like a summer break that you will have and he wanted to to fill that gap with something and, and and put out a program so um he called me up he said I, look I've been keeping tabs on all the YouTubers that make Narrowboat videos i really like your style i think i love the way you you tell the story as you do and i can see it's it's possible to actually make a tv show out like of this would you be would you be um um Sort of interested in helping me adapt your idea for for, for the BBC, and I said, you know, how much are you going to pay me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to give up my job. Man. I'd have to give up my day job, albeit one that I hated, but not hated. I, I mean, I was so grateful for the for the for the chance to be able to work from home and, and travel and narrowboat. I mean, that's, that sounds like the dream, doesn't it? But but mm. at the time, it was just, it just wasn't me, and and I and I was increasingly. Dropping hours and not doing my job properly because my focus was on uh, filming canals and canal boats. So uh, yeah. yeah, as soon as I got the call from the BBC, that was it. I handed in my notice and uh, just went for it, you know. So yeah,
0: perfect. So and and how? So I mean, the the first series was five episodes.
1: Yeah, actually, they only commissioned four, but because we had so they they wanted me to go. On quite a long route with with a lot of locks, and I and I sort of I sort of think, well, I'd make five vlogs out of that little episode, you know, at half an hour episode. <laughs> so <laughs> and my vlogs are about fifteen to twenty minutes long. So I thought mm. this is gonna, this is not gonna work. And we did have to cut. We had to cut a lot of stuff. So in the end, I managed to persuade them to add on an extra episode. So it was five instead of four. Five is quite an unusual number, but I just thought, come on, we've got so much footage, we've got to use it. Yeah. A very low budget programme, but it's quite a big risk sort of just picking a YouTuber who's only got 15,000 subscribers. Can, can you imagine <laughs> trying to pitch that one to the top executives? Um, but somehow, I guess because it was quite cheap, um, I think each episode about 15 grand each, which apparently in, in TV terms is, is a, a cheap programme.
0: What I really liked was that it didn't just lift the format, it just made it its own thing. You know what? So what did you have to do differently to for so when you were making programs for TV as opposed to the, the the YouTube vlogs?
1: Well, initially, I thought they want me to be a presenter. I, I can't do that. You know, I'm not I'm not a presenter. Um, but they, they they made sure that I knew that this is you, your real life. You're sharing it with people. Um, you're not presenting a canal, a canal program. You're you're essentially vlogging. You know, and that's making a video log. Um, and that's sharing insights on your life. Uh, so we called it, well, actually, initially, originally called it Narrowboat Diaries, but I managed to uh, get it changed to Canal Boat Diaries just so they could ab- abbreviate it to Z- CBD. Um, <laughs> no, not because of that, because I think Narrowboat, narrowboat Diaries was already, already used by someone who wrote a book and did some other YouTube videos. Um, but, yeah, I had to change quite a lot. Um, but at the end at the end of the series, I realised, well, actually, could afford to be a bit more lucid with it so i think on the next series i will it's just i think my goal is just to be as much myself as possible because that in that way i can tell my story in the most true fashion because we the bbc believe it or not lots of people debate this but they are so hot on getting the facts right getting the story straight not some programs can be overproduced but this one is unique in that we don't make things up we don't sort of set things up i mean we don't uh, set up interviews they just happen along the way we don't set up um rendezvous points or whatever it's just it just happens and i'm filming it along the way so uh, yeah i did have to learn more about tv than i ever thought Mm -hmm. i would but that was just fantastic you know it's really good i learned so much Mm -hmm. oh wicked you just got to crank it. Crank it, crew. you just got to crank it. <gasps> Can you cope with that? <laughs> On the fly. On YouTube, I'm doing everything myself. So one of the most important lessons I, I had to learn in the end was that it's not my show. I have to let go of certain creative... Thing. So, so what we actually, what you actually saw on TV, it was not how I, not how I would make it. It was just how we all collaboratively put it together. So it was a yeah. real team effort and a sort of a project or a film, a series of films made by a team of people, not just me. Yeah.
0: I suppose it's nice that you've still got your YouTube channel. So that's that's what it is, and and you and that's yours. But now you've got the opportunity to do this and you could uh and, and obviously there's somebody else editing it how was that for you
1: i started out editing on the laptop they gave me for the series just just putting my like a rough edit of my clips of that day you know for example but our schedule became so tight in terms of moving and trying to make the programs in time for our, our sort of fairly loose deadline but still a deadline and mm. So in the end, I had to give the editing completely away. So I had to just give them all the raw footage, which was quite nerve wracking because there's a lot of there's a lot of swearing <laughs> going on in some of my, <laughs> my clips and a lot of oh that's not right and just getting really, you know, frustrated with myself because these are long hot days where you're just working through the canals and trying to film it all yourself and it's just it's a lot harder than people will will, will ever see because we're trying to make a relaxing yeah. A slice of escapism on the on the canals but um, yeah it was uh, yeah it's pretty difficult to um, just sort of keep your head at some points sometimes.
0: I, yeah. I think what stood out to me in a couple of the episodes you were doing um, you know you were pointing out places of historical interest how much of that is sort of mapped out and planned out you know what's what's the process for that?
1: Well I don't really know anything about tv really about making tv programs but my producer Stu does and you could tell because of the way he meticulously um planned and researched the routes i think he has to do that just to sort of say to the bosses look we have got a an idea here (laughs) you know we're not just winging it um whereas that's my i'd rather just take my boat go to a town hang around for a few days ask some of the locals and see if i can get you know some nugget of knowledge that i can then go and Fact check because we would always every single time fact check and even take people's numbers down, emails, addresses to make sure it was all do, do, do end up being done by the book. Um, but yeah, I think there was it was mostly Stuart coming up with the and um, the facts that you'll hear me sort of doing it on voiceover. For example, he he wrote that, which was great.
0: <laughs> it's like when you get a DVD and you've got DVD extras.
1: Oh, brilliant! You know, That's one, good to hear. I one like that could,
0: one could be the the companion to the other you know what i mean and it's they're both they're both completely different but you know they they are definitely a, a companion piece to each other
1: i was a little bit worried about that because uh, i thought well people are going to see this highly polished bbc show and then they're gonna go look me up on youtube and just see an absolute mess that i put on (laughs) (laughs) because i get i get quite creative guys um so yeah (laughs) and i like to know i you know muck around a little bit so yeah on the
0: fly once i realized that you genuinely were making it by yourself apart from the the drone stuff that it was just you filming um,
1: I can't let my producer get our way without a credit there, though, because he he was operating the GoPro camera at the front of the boat, so most of the shots you right. see, well, all the shots from the front of the boat are his. You know, so we did. There was a lot of collaboration, but he was only on board yeah. maximum two days a week, so it was mostly me just every day filming.
0: But for example, like the one, the one that stood out was when you were you had to wade across the canal.
1: Yeah. That, that's that's um, completely so self-shot. That,
0: that, that one, yeah. Well, that's what I thought because it it looked like you'd left your phone because there were lots of sort of jump cuts to obviously to reduce it down. So lo, you know, one long take, but with bits chopped out. And um,
1: I was going to say, John, if if if, I, if, a list, if 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 you're listening, if if anyone's listening and they and they they've got access to iPlayer, that clip is on iPlayer and um yeah it's quite interesting to see what you can do with just a what was it a GoPro 3 or something like it's really basic GoPro that i had left on board and um and an iphone
0: yeah and it's it's it, but but the so that was that was great i thought that was really good and it was really authentic because you know i mean i i quite like um for example top gear the what's now become the the amazon thing okay where the 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 construct of it is that it's three blokes on a on a a journey and but but you but there's but there's so much production Mm. and there are camera cars and there are drones and i don't know that helicopters i don't know but you know there's there's a lot going on we had one of the drone pilots
1: from that actually (laughs) We had one on the drone boat. Really, but he did a guest sort of day on on the boat, but he just just too much gear. Like it was, it, it stuck one camera right on the end of the boat. You know where you should have a fender, so yeah. I was like, we can't put one there. And just it just <laughs> it's just too much, too much. But yeah, what a, yeah. what an incredible sort of he had so much gear, incredible, really. But yeah, sorry.
0: No, no. What what I liked. It's it's all your, your incidental stuff. So it's like it might be, so you're mooring up or something, or you're yeah. you you're, you're getting you're getting up in the morning and the hatch opens up and there's you know your chores sort of getting whether it's getting the water or you know pumping out the the engine by well, so
1: the, the fixed shots it, of me doing something. Yeah, about, just and, and, you know, they're and the hardest that's the to film, thing.
0: John. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and. It, <laughs> And that was why, you know, I was watching that thinking that that would have taken, one, it takes you hours to film. Yeah. But two, it's actually holding you up, doing the things that you need to do just yeah. to <laughs> survive on a boat. Yeah. And yeah. But it was that, it was the attention to detail because it's not just, you're not just doing a how-to video. Um,
1: yeah. And, it's and I'm not just doing visually a, a travel vlog, am I? I'm just, it's... It's all the sort of you know the what you call the minutiae, wouldn't you? The minutiae, sort of yeah. everyday life, but on an narrowboat, and that's why I think it's quite watchable. But actually, yeah. I think anyone's life. If you watch a video of someone, even like the way they make a cup of tea, you're just going to be watching, aren't you? You'd be like, "Hang on, I wonder how they do it." Absolutely, the,
0: yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's one in in because I I sort of do mobile filmmaking workshops, and one of the things that I talk about is like just so the first. Task is to just go and make a little video, less than 30 seconds in three shots. And it could be somebody walking through a door. The, the two examples I always use are somebody walking through a door or making a pour in a cup, not even making a cup of tea, just pouring a cup of tea. Um, because if you if you're creative enough with your angles, you can make the most mundane thing look really cinematic and interesting. And things like, I, I always remember that there's this, the shot in um, The Sixth Sense where the hand is hovering over the doorknob, and it's probably been done loads of times, you know, by Hitchcock and people like that, but it was just done in a particular way in that film that it became iconic. And But because the hand, it, intentionally, he's hovering because he doesn't know whether to open the door or not, you just get the suspense. So it's the combination of the suspense and the visual, um, and it's just those kind of details. But I like—I just like it when you leave your, your iPhone lying in the grass or something, hmm. um, and the grass is in focus, and you're out of focus. And it's just little things like that. that.
1: Well, a lot of that is – is... I
0: don't think people notice necessarily – you're not aware of, but it, it's what makes it feel a nice, comfy, cozy kind of program to watch.
1: That's great. It's great to hear that. Um, a lot of that is just from sh- shooting from the hip sort of thing you know, just sort of, right Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to, because if I really over plan well, if I you know, plan it too much, try to set up the shot too much, it does seem a bit contrived like a bit too much yeah. like you know I've thought about it too much but some of the best ones are like that there's a, grass, a sh- shot of me mooring, tying up the rope and the long, long grass flowers sticking out, and that's a great shot but all I did was sort of quickly put the phone down sort of roughly in the angle pointing over to where I was going to do the action. Yeah. And I, and I just did it. And then I picked up the phone afterwards and I just got lucky on that one. Um, yes, yeah, yeah. And that happens. And that's, and that's
0: but, it's all part of the process, isn't it? That sometimes yeah. it is just you. In fact, I've I've done that before now, not realising that I, I'm still filming. I've put the phone down and then you're like, oh, well, actually, I didn't even know I'd done that, but I'm, I'm going to use it um, and take credit for it.
1: I always, always um, aim to do it. I never sort of, I don't. Well, I used to. I, I rarely now sort of, oh, wave the camera around and see if anything happens. That which is shooting from there, isn't it? Really, sort of just going for it. Yeah. I, I normally have an idea in my head of what I want to achieve. But you're right. Every now and then, you'll get a light leak on the lens or something like that, and it will just be like, wow, that no, I couldn't have done that any better if I tried. <laughs>
0: yes yeah exactly exactly do you do you use any uh apps other than the the sort of the iphone camera app itself or for well, filming I,
1: I actually have to for the bbc stuff because it's uk tv it's 25 frames per second and the native iphone camera app won't let you do 25 okay it won't let you do that so yeah, I had to, to use, uh, well, I started using Filmic Pro, which is quite a popular one, and then soon realized it was a bit too much. You know, I I, I was clicking on the focus in the wrong part of the screen. I just kept missing the shot, you know. I needed that autofocus.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So I I ditched that one in favor of ProCam, which is a similar tool, really. So it just gives you those extra options on, on frame rate and also focus and all those other things. But... Mm. All I need it for is for the frame rate, really. I just need it autofocus. Um, you just gotta crank it on the fly. Well, for me, I, I use a um, a mobile device to film with. Um, number one, well, number one because I'm too poor to afford like expensive cameras. <laughs> uh, number two, the high end camera snobs that just ruins it for me when you get people who are like yeah i got this lens and it cost me six thousand dollars and i'm like well no i just can't even dream about that it's just (sighs) exclusive world that i can't get into um and then but reasons for me the positives for me is if i'm using a mobile phone and i'm in a pub i don't want to draw attention to myself so it's perfect i just whip out my pocket yeah people just think i'm doing some kind of Sell for your video calling, you know, my mum or something. Um, yeah, yeah. It's and the fourth reason, probably, it's always to hand, so I can capture moments that perhaps filmmakers, videographers, with their huge setups, um, the the red cameras or whatever you have, um, they, they would miss. You know, the moments that they might miss.
0: Yes, absolutely. In fact, that's one of the reasons I um, have never invested in a gimbal.
1: Oh yeah. and yeah. um, I don't know if you use a gimbal at all. It, well, I've tried them. And I've just, it. well, one of the ones I tried didn't, it didn't even have a way of plugging in an external microphone. So ah, right. straight away it was like, well, this is limiting what I can do with it already. Um, so I, I don't use one.
0: Yeah. Uh, at the beginning of the lockdown, I was fortunate to be sort of classed as key worker so I was out doing some work anyway and I went into the city center just for the novelty of being able to capture the city center completely empty I'd never seen it completely empty I mean it's just one of these cities Dundee just seems to be constantly busy so I I did go and do some footage and there then I was thinking a, a gimbal would now be ideal because I didn't need any audio and I'd got all the time in the world to set up my shots Right. And and I was sort of doing most of it in slow-mo and trying to get nice, steady shots. Great. I think in I was there for about an hour and I saw about three people and they, they were literally other key workers who were walking home. On the fly. Have there been any filmmakers or documentary filmmakers or influences that you've gone back to or that you've since found?
1: I don't know if I can name any specific ones, but there, are, there is a, I remember there's a shot I, I certainly use on YouTube um and it's what's it called oh it's got a special name it's not ken it, i think it's a ken burns style shop. oh yeah yeah uh and I, th- I think i think it was used in uh hitchcock films so i suppose i could reference that as an influence um but the, the, the boat's moving along so it's going forward and in, in the edit i'm zooming out
0: I think ah that's right. It. So it's, yeah. it seems yeah, that's, like the, that's not it's, what's that it's not called? the Ken Burns. Um, Spielberg that. uses that a lot hmm. in and he, the, the, yes, in Jaws. The, one of the famous yeah. ones is in Jaws, and so the camera is zooming while moving backwards, so you get that weird sort of for, forced perspective.
1: It's called a dolly zoom. Um, I have just googled it.
0: <laughs> I'm sure there's another name for it.
1: It, are you was, still there? it was yeah, I was, are you, just, are you I, I read. I've just got through Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the effect <laughs> was first conceived by Ermin Robert Roberts, a paramount second unit cameraman in Alfred Hitchcock's film Vertigo. There
0: we go. But it is a um, Using Jaws, Good Lord of the
1: Rings, like all those ones. Yeah.
0: I don't know if Robert Rodriguez to sort of bring it almost full circle.
1: Yeah. But yeah.
0: um have you have you read his have you read his book?
1: Well, I'm, as I said at the start, I'm not really like a massive fan of his, so perhaps I should read his book. Because, oh, right, I, like I I'm
0: not a massive fan of his either. But I, um, when I was at college, I used to get his book out of the library, and because one of the, one of the things that drew me to it, um, he so when he made Desperado or yeah. the the not Desperado, but the original,
1: I'm I not mean, it
0: El Ma- yeah, like the the I think it might be Spanish language okay. version, but he it was it was like really low budget, and he didn't have a dolly. But one of the locations they were filming in, there was probably they called it a hospital. I think it's probably what we would call like a health center or something. And they went and borrowed. I'm not even sure they asked permission, but they went and borrowed um, a wheelchair, and that was the dolly. That was his dolly. It was basically him a, sat in a wheelchair with oh, his 16 millimeter camera yeah. <laughs> and somebody pushing him along. Mm. It was perfect. He had quite a sort of a steady, cam dolly type shot.
1: So he made his uh, own dolly, dolly in a wheelchair. It. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, which is brilliant. But his book's full of kind of gonzo approaches to filmmaking like that. That just that he that it was, you know it and i think it's the ultimate in creativity isn't it like the necessity is the mother of invention yeah if you haven't got the cash then you have to find another way to do it um and anything like that i think is brilliant
1: i've recently been doing some vlogs on youtube to help others because that's i believe it's it that's what you should start off doing youtube you should start by looking to help other people and it's all about how to sort of Use whatever you've got lying around, basically. And instead of having all the gear, it's more about having all the ideas. So, you know, that's my, yeah. my sort of take on it. Uh, well,
0: I think that's brilliant advice because, um, you know, it's one of the BBC uh, trainers, I don't know if you've come across him at all. Um,
1: no nope, no training whatsoever, Mark, <laughs> unfortunately. Mark- <laughs> <laughs> I could have done myself. Um, have, have
0: you come across Mark Settle at all?
1: That name does ring so a bell. Can-
0: he but, he's no. this I think he's like the sole trainer for um mobile journalism in the BBC. Right. Um and it might have been it might have been a tweet of his that sort of pointed me um in your direction in the first place. Oh bless you. But him. he um he has this like great you know, it's cause, it's, cause even, you know, even the most the, the most well equipped person can sometimes find themselves out and about not expecting to want to do any filming, mm. but then, you know, you see, you see something, you think, right, I've got it. I've got to capture it. And so he's great one for a sort of a, an on the spot tripod is, um, a like a little water bottle, just the kind of thing that you'd, you know, you're out for the afternoon, you buy a little bottle of water. Um, no, I, I, admittedly, both of the, neither of these things are things that I find myself in ownership of that often. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I suppose there are things that, you know, push came to shove. Yeah. If you were near a shop, potentially you could. Um. But it's a, a bottle of water and either a hair bobble or an elastic band. And you basically uh, wrap the elastic band around your phone in such a way that you can then wrap it around the bottle as well. Excellent. And it's just a nice sturdy... And obviously, it's got to be a bottle of water that's still got the water in it, because otherwise it's the phone's going to be heavier than the bottle. But um, but yeah, there's there's lots of good little hacks like that. Where can people find you,
1: um,
0: apart from on the telly and the YouTube?
1: I think, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I'm not on Facebook, definitely not on Facebook. Uh, so just type in Robbie Narabo or Robbie Cumming, which is my actual name, no S. Definitely no S on the end. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I I was tempted, but I
0: thought, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. On the fly. And is it hard knowing when to stop documenting?
1: Yeah, especially when um, working on BBC. They want me to film literally everything. I mean, it's going to be a little bit easier on the series too, but they still need me to film, even like I said, making a cup of tea. And sometimes you just want to make a cup of tea. You don't want to film it.
0: (laughs) it's great that the youtube idea has has been sort of turned into this tv a couple of years ago i made a documentary using the ipad just to demonstrate that you could make something long form entirely on a, a mobile device um and so then the next thing was how, how do you translate this to tv and then of course your your program came along um and and then recently, I don't know if you saw any of the isolation stories. I saw it advertised, yeah. On ITV. Yeah, they were all shot on uh, Android, I think, using Filmic.
1: I think my problem with that um, is that I know that they filmed it on a mobile. <laughs> I, want to, I want to be taken out of it. And and thanks to all the production, you know, the, all the, the guys are tweaking the, the, the knobs behind the scenes on the colour grading and stuff like that. Um, and the drone shots, it, it, it feels like I haven't shot a lot of it on mobile, or, or I hope it doesn't. It, it feels like that.
0: Yeah. Is this the future of television? Are, are people, you know, is or is YouTube going to become the TV of the future?
1: I don't think it would be giving and, it too it, much away to say that, that BBC see YouTube as a competitor, but at the same time, mobile wise, like a technology, I think it's become going to get to a point where you won't even know that they're not using uh, a, a traditional set up anymore they're not using a traditional camera mm. I think it will just one day they'll just be oh they' made by made on a on an android Samsung phone and people will be they won't know it unless they check the credits or whatever you know it'll be seamless yeah. I think
0: yeah presumably when series two comes around they'll sort of make series one available again and
1: I hope so will be able but it up. seems to only last thirty days and then that's it it's off off the iPlayer, so um, but I'm incredibly lucky to actually have a page on the BBC's website. If you want to go and find out more about the show, there is some information and some clips on there on the iPlayer.
0: Yeah, and we'll put links to that in the in the show notes as well.
1: Lovely. Uh, Cheers. Any
0: plans to work on on anything else along these lines? Are you are you thinking beyond? Canal diaries on YouTube and TV, or is it all consuming just now?
1: Can I put it out there, John? I'd like to make uh, a program called "Pimp My Barge," uh, (laughs) whereby I help I help other boaters who can't afford a proper, you know, all all singing, all dancing, uh, posh boat to actually, you know, give them a nicer lifestyle because it is it is hard. It's hard lifestyle. It's hard work, and you know, for example, my my plumbing. It all seems to be just rusting away. And the boats, you know, just, it, yeah, it needs updating. So, uh, yeah, that's my idea. Pimp my barge. If anyone wants to make that, give us a call.
0: And so would episode one be your barge?
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. Just uh, I just hope they paid enough that I can actually, uh, yeah, set the... Uh...
0: Exactly, yeah. Well, that'd be best of both worlds, wouldn't it? <laughs> best yeah, of both worlds. yeah. Series two is that sort of toward the end of the year again, or
1: yeah, it should be. Let's just say Christmas time, um, and then hopefully won't be too disappointed when they put it back or uh, remove it from the schedules.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh no! Well, I, you know what, I, I hope um, that it gets, you know, that people get to hear about it. Until you've completely exhausted the canal network of the United Kingdom, there's no reason why it needs stop and uh, and i'm sure it's like the fourth bridge once you've got to one end of the country then there'll be more stories happening the other end you could you could be doing it for you could be the Alan wicker of the canal waterways <laughs> and doing this into retirement so um well
1: that's the thing i thought I'd yeah i pick a job i could do when i uh, you know when, when i was that retirement age where obviously i couldn't retire because i hadn't earned enough money <laughs>
0: <laughs> and maybe it'll enthuse people back out to the waterways as well so uh,
1: well yeah we don't, don't want too many john <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> i get i get complaints by the boaters that try, i try to make it i make it look too too good so uh, yeah never mind <laughs> but yeah thanks <laughs> thanks so much for having me on john uh, absolute pleasure i'm so grateful thank you